0: Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Rev. Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress.
1: Hallelujah, oh, thank you. Oh glory, hallelujah, hallelujah, oh hallelujah. Thank you Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Whom shall I fear, hallelujah. Oh glory, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you Father, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I feel like we've already been to church. We've had prayer and we've had a song. Now it's time for the benediction and we can go. Hallelujah, oh glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh glory, thank you. My father, my father, I thank you. Hallelujah. Giving honor to God who's the head of my life, Pastor Preston, to the leadership here at PGC, those that are in the sanctuary and those online, I, I, I take it and look at it as a privilege to be able to come here today to share a word. The title of the sermon this morning is going to be, Going to Prepare a Place. Let us take a moment to pray. Most gracious and everlasting Father, we honor your presence here today. It is my prayer that yokes be broken, that lives be changed because of a timely word from you, allowing your messenger to deliver your words with clarity, words that give us hope and comfort in the hour in which we live. A special prayer for a little young lady, uh, five years old, Andrea, lives in the um, Atlanta area. This morning we find finding out that she's having problems after having COVID. She's only five and now she's having to deal with fluid building up around her heart. But God is a regulator and we're putting it all in his hands today. Amen. Amen. As I stand here I like to pay tribute to our dear sister Brenda Laws who we lost recently. Sister Laws was a faithful member of our choir, of our church. She was a member of our choir and she was on the praise team. When someone dies you have to make adjustments because life isn't the same without them. There is a void in our church because Sister Laws is no longer with us. We mourn because she is not here. We continue to pray for her family, her friends and everyone in our music ministry and those that mattered to her. Mourning is defined as an expression of grief or sorrow for something or someone. That is what we do when we love someone and they leave us. In the 14th chapter of John, the Gospel of John, Jesus and his disciples were all in mourning. They were having dinner together and Jesus began to talk about he was leaving soon. He was going to be arrested and crucified. Have you ever heard some news that shook you to your core? Something so heavy it felt like a bucket of ice water has been dumped over you. Something so heavy that you had to sit down just to take a breath. I'm sure that's what the disciples felt. They had spent the last three years of their life with Jesus. He had opened scriptures like they had never heard before. They had eaten with him and he, they saw him multiply just a little bit to feed thousands of people. They were there when he raised one from the dead and he calmed the storms. They traveled all over Israel together. Jesus loved them and they loved Jesus. I'm sure Jesus is mourning because you never want to leave people that you love. He knows how much this is going to affect them. He doesn't want to leave, but it's time for him to go. It's time for him to fulfill his purpose from which he came to earth for He came to die and he was was born to die for all of us. Now the hour had come. A lot of times people are about to die. They are more concerned about their death on how it would affect others than for themselves and they are getting ready to expire. Sometimes people in the process of dying will hold on until a loved one that they're waiting for is able to meet them at their bedside. Or they will hold on until they hear someone say, it's okay, we will be okay, you can let go now. Jesus also recognized how important it is to be with people in the flesh. This pandemic has taught all of us that we can talk to our loved ones over the phone, we can see them over Zoom, but it's nothing like having to them to be in our presence. I'd never forget the time my family and I we had an opportunity to go up and visit our family this past spring. We had all taken our COVID shot. So we were anxious about getting up there, and they were anxious to receive us. We had had the phone calls, we had done the Zoom meetings up until that point, but there's nothing that replaces being there in person. We were able to be there to hug them, to lay our eyes on them, to touch them, and to kiss their neck. I'm sure Jesus was grieving when he had to leave his disciples. He knew what leaving would do to them. I can only imagine what was going through the minds of the disciples at that time. They were also grieving. How would you feel if someone that you love and admired more than anyone else on earth, was just to tell you he was about to die. Jesus was like their superman. He could do anything. They had pinned all of their hopes upon him. And now he's talking about leaving them. And worse than that, he's talking about being crucified. That probably couldn't imagine living their lives without him. They had made Jesus the center of their world for these last three years. He was that promised Messiah. He was the one that the prophets had written about. They had expected to rule and to reign with him. Everything was going so well. People all over Israel knew who they were. Most of the time when they were in the crowds, they were so thick that they could hardly move around. And now all of that's coming to an end, and Jesus is just about ready to leave them. So they mourn. No matter how much Jesus had tried to prepare them, they were in denial about what was about to happen, what had to happen. When my mother was dying of cancer many years ago, I couldn't imagine living my life without her. There were so many special things about her. She had been there for me all of my life. I remember her smile and when she cooked and hospitable she was. She always tried to make my home, my home visits so special. She made sure that the room I slept in was clean and that, had enough, that I had enough covers to cover my feet to keep them warm. You would have to understand, I grew up very poor. My mom worked in the housekeeping department at the hospital until she couldn't work any longer because of her illness. She never had a lot of material things, but she always made sure that I was comfortable. And when I came home, especially for a visit, she even would let Rose and I, my wife, sleep in her bed. And she would sleep with one of my sisters whenever we were in town. Whenever we traveled to Illinois to visit her, she would always be up to greet us. No matter what time of the evening, what time of the night we would arrive, she would always be there to welcome us in. No matter what time in the morning we got up to leave, She was always there to give us a hug and a kiss. It's hard to think about what life would be like without her, to do all the things that she alone uniquely did for me. A lot of times when our loved ones dies, it's hard for us to go on without them. I'm sure the disciples, they were wrestling. What is life gonna be without Jesus? I can't imagine being in their shoes. See, once you've walked with Jesus, how can you ever go back to normal? There is never a normal after you have walked with Jesus. And the church ought to say, amen. Amen. (laughs) And now he's telling the disciples that he must leave. He would be crucified. Could it get any worse than that? The worst thing that he could have told them. Crucifixion is a horrible way to die. Crucifixion was reserved for the violent offenders. It was uh, also for those that were disgraced soldiers, those soldiers that didn't live up to their, uh, their, their, their position within the Roman uh, um, encampment. It was reserved for slaves. It was reserved for the lowlife of those days within Rome. To be hung up on a tree to die was a slow and painful, agonizing, humiliating death. The disciples see they had planned to reign with Jesus. They had put their lives on hold for the last 3 years for him. And now he's telling them he's going to die. Was it possible? Jesus and his disciples were all walking around some of the deepest mourning that they have ever experienced they were going through. At some point in life, we will all have to be we will all have our worlds turned upside down. Because we will mourn over the death of someone. See, that is the price you pay for love. That bears repeating, that is the price you pay for love. And as deep as our love is for a person, that is how deep a sorrow it is when that person dies. So in the midst of their mourning, Jesus gave the disciples some comforting words of hope. These are the words that all believers can find hope in when we mourn. I'm sure that when Jesus shared these words that I'm about to share with you now that the disciples really didn't understand or believe what he was saying. The words are found in the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter verses one and three, one through three. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am." So he tells them to do something they probably think is impossible due to their circumstances. He tells them not to be troubled about what was going to happen. And he tells them why they shouldn't be troubled. Because he was going to heaven ahead of them to prepare a place for them so that they could be with him. Someone ought to say hallelujah. (laughs) Now, in order for this to make a whole lot of sense, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been a place where you were totally out of place? Some of us have traveled to other countries where we didn't know the language. We didn't know anyone in that country. The food was different. The road signs were not in English. You didn't know how to ride their mass transit system, getting on the bus and trains. We've been there. And if you've ever, if that has ever happened to you, you know how scary that can be. You realize that if you make the wrong move or, make, or take the wrong turn or say the wrong thing, it could get you in a bit of trouble. It's at those times, it's best to have a guide to lead you to the right places, to translate things for you, to even recommend what you should eat. Without a guide, without someone who is familiar with the place that you're in, without someone who speaks your language, you probably won't enjoy your visit as much. I still remember my first missionary trip. I was in. Uh, we went to the nation of Tun- Tunisia, which is in North Africa. Tunisia is a Muslim country. And I went there with a group of six folks out of the, the Atlanta area. And we were on what we call a prayer journey. This is when you go into a nation and you just pray for that nation. We specifically went there to pray that the strongholds of Islam will be broken over that country. We had made arrangements for someone in Tunisia to be our guide. But when we got there, she turned us down because the crowd was too large. She said we would stick out and we'd be called too, we would draw too much attention. So she declined to go with us. She backed out. She said that would put her life in danger. Tunisia is a strict Muslim country, so much so that their constitution states that their president must be a Muslim. In that country, they're suspicious of outsiders, especially Christian outsiders. To advertise that you're a Christian could open you up for the possibility of being beaten or dragged down the street or even worse. So when we arrived, we were like fish out of water, not knowing the language, where to go, how to get around, or what even to eat. A lot could have gone wrong. But by the grace of God, We met a young man the next day after our arrival. We spoke, he spoke very little broken English, but we were able to convince him to be our guide. See, we were on an assignment. And one of the places he took us was to the upper level of a large mosque so that we ended up being able to look down upon men that had arrived to the mosque to pray. Without them knowing it, we were up there quietly praying the light, we were praying that the light of the gospel would penetrate their darkness. Because of our guide, we were able to get to all the assignment areas that we were responsible for. So we have to thank God for what he does. Two weeks after we had gotten back into Atlanta, we heard that the Tunisian had upset their whole Muslim world because they had just normalized ties with Israel. So they had broken ranks with the Muslim world to have a relationship with Israel. My group, when we heard that story, we were extremely happy. Only God knows if we had anything to do with it, and I hope we did. Having a guide in Tunisia helped us to accomplish our meeting. Jesus knows that we all need that kind of help when we're in an unfamiliar place or when we're about to do something that we've never done before. Jesus also knows that one day all believers will join him in heaven. Scripture says that he's coming back to escort us in. Hallelujah. See, that is the plan. That is why he came and did what he did so that we could go and meet the father ourselves. He paid the price, the price that could not have happened had he not given his life for us. See, this earth is not our home. It's only a temporary housing situation. Here on earth, we talk about the housing shortage, but according to scripture in my father's house, there are many rooms. There's room for us all. But Jesus also knows that that unfamiliar place can be scary to us. And unless the Lord returns in our lifetime, we will all have to walk through that door of death. And that is scary to most people, whether you're saved or unsaved. It's scary because it involves the biggest move and the biggest changes that will ever take place in your life. Most people don't want to leave the familiar place to go to that unfamiliar place, no matter what they have been told about that place. And God knows that. The promise Jesus made to his disciples back then is the same promise that he has given us as believers today. He is going to heaven to prepare a place so that we can be with him. Now, I've traveled a lot over my tenure with the the company I worked with and I've stayed in a lot of hotels. When you book a hotel you assume that when you get there it's going to be a clean place, but you never know until you get up there to see what you're going to end up with. You don't expect to find dirty sheets, roaches, or maybe even a mouse dropping here and there. But sometimes I have found those things in my hotel. So it's hard for me to stretch my imagination on what type of accommodation Jesus will have waiting for me when I get to heaven. The older I get, the more I think about it. Heaven, oh, I just can't wait. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? They tell me it's a place where there are no more tears. They say there is no more sickness or pain. I heard that the streets are paved with gold and I'm sure it is a pretty place. I probably will get all of my hair back when I get there and raise my surgical arms to praise the Lord day in and day out, hallelujah. Uh, Here is a place where you don't have to say goodbye anymore. Just hello and welcome home. I don't know about you, but I can hardly wait to see what is waiting for me in heaven. What should I expect from the maker of all creation? What has he prepared for me? The one who knew me before my mom knew me. What should I expect from him? What should I expect from someone who loves me enough to have died for me? I can hardly wrap my head around what is waiting for me when I close my eyes to death. Will there be a parade? Will I hear music? And if God does allow me to hear music when I die, my prayer is that it not be classical music, but something that I'm more familiar with, like maybe Kirk Franklin and the Chicago Mass Choir. Because when I get there, I want to dance myself in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And when I get there, I am looking for my mother to be in the front of the receiving line. Yes, the older I get, the more I think about heaven. We've got a Savior there, a Savior who has gone ahead of us to make sure the accommodations are beyond our wildest expectation. A God who knows the place because he made the place. Hallelujah. A Savior who has gone ahead to make sure that we feel right at home when we get there. Heaven, I want to get there. I hope to see you there also. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or prayer report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519 or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.